Section 2 of The Private and Public Life of Abraham Lincoln. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Brandon B. The Private and Public Life of Abraham Lincoln by Orville J. Victor. Chapter 2 his experiences as a flatboatman. Between the time of his leaving school and the attainment of his nineteenth year, the subject of our sketch was constantly employed in the hardy avocation of a western woodsman, cutting down trees, splitting rails, and the like, and, during the evenings, eagerly devoting the few hours until bedtime to such books as he could manage to procure. When he was a year older, twenty, Abraham was hired by a person who lived nearby, at the rate of ten dollars per month, to go to New Orleans on a flatboat loaded with stores, which were to be vended at the Mississippi River plantations in the vicinity of the Crescent City. The vocation of flatboating and keelboating on the great watercourses of the West and Southwest was then almost the only mode of transportation by means of navigation, for the era of steamboats had barely commenced. The boatmen who were employed in traversing these great water routes were a fearless, hardy, athletic class of men, exposed to many perils and almost shelterless in all phases of climb and weather. Quote, With no bed but the deck of their boats on which to lie at night, and no covering but a blanket, they spent months and years of their existence. It was on such boats that the rich cargoes ascending the Mississippi were carried. By human labor, they were propelled against the strong current nearly 2,000 miles, and it was a labor that required great muscular strength and remarkable powers of endurance. The result was that a class of men were trained in this business of unusual courage, and proud only of their ability to breast storms and endure hardships. In addition to this class, whose life business it was to propel these western boats, there were others who only occasionally made a trip to New Orleans to sell their stores. End of quote. Abraham's new employer was of the latter class. He was, at this time, peculiarly fitted for the hardy vocation which he agreed, for a period, to embrace. Nature had bestowed upon him a frame of much muscular power, a readiness of wit, and a shrewdness of judgment, all of which qualities could be used to advantage in the flatboat peddling voyage, as it may be termed. Besides, he was full of the natural excitement of leaving his home for a length of time, and of becoming the beholder of remote and novel scenes. The day of his departure at length was at hand. Accompanied by one associate, the son of his employer, young Lincoln embarked at the appointed time and started upon his voyage.
they continued upon their way, from day to day, with monotonous regularity, making fast to the shore as night drew on, and swinging off into the stream again at the break of day. Their voyage was not wholly monotonous, but enlivened with at least one perilous adventure, as we shall presently see. The scenery of the banks was perpetually changing, like a vast panorama, and they frequently met and passed other crafts, with their numerous and jolly crews, and communicated with the people who would appear upon the river banks from the neighboring villages and plantations. The weather was mostly fine, but several tempests caught them on their way, requiring their utmost exertions to keep their boat from capsizing. Yet they managed to keep in good spirits, making the best of the worst that came. Quote, Never for a moment did Abraham wish he had not undertaken the voyage. He was not accustomed to undertake a work and fail to accomplish it. He always finished what he began, and started with that determination. End of quote. They were approaching the Crescent City, and had disposed of a portion of their cargo when the most noticeable incident of the voyage occurred. On the night after their arrival, they had made their boat fast to the lonesome shore, and lain down to rest at their usual early hour. Somewhere near the middle of the night, young Lincoln was startled from his slumber by a noise which aroused his apprehensions. Awakening his comrade, he called out through the darkness, in order to learn if anyone was approaching the boat. A ferocious shout from several throats in concert was his answer, and the boat was immediately attacked by a party of seven desperate negroes from some of the neighboring plantations who, doubtless, suspecting that there was money on board, had thought it an easy undertaking to overpower and murder the sleeping boatmen and possess themselves of the property they guarded. There was no time for parley. The robbers, upon finding their stealthy approach discovered, made a bold push for the coveted prize. Hardly had young Lincoln's call of inquiry passed from his lips before one of the ruffians sprung upon the edge of the boat. But no sooner did he touch the deck with his feet than he was knocked sprawling into the water by a blow from our backwoodsman's terrible fist. Nothing dashed by their comrade's fall, several more of the black river pirates leapt upon the boat with brandished billets. But by this time the courageous boatmen had armed themselves with huge cudgels, to the serious detriment of the dark assailants. Heavy and rapid blows fell upon either side, until the fighting quarters became so close that the clubs were partially relinquished for a hand-to-hand -hand fight. After a desperate struggle of several moments' duration, three more of the ruffians were tumbled into the river, and those who still remained on the boat took counsel of prudence and beat a sore-headed retreat shoreward as best they might. But young Lincoln, nothing disposed to rest satisfied with an indecisive victory, was after them in an instant. 
Before the last three who had been plunged into the river had succeeded in crawling up the bank, Abraham had pounded two of them, on the shore, almost to death with a ponderous cudgel. The first negro who had been knocked into the water, upon reaching the bank, fled from the avenging boatmen in utter dismay. In fact, all of the land forces of the enemy were speedily scattered in panic-stricken rout when the victors paid their respects to the marine reinforcements, dealing heavy blows upon the luckless darkies before they were well out of the water. Feeling that it was a case of life and death, doubting not that the Negroes meant to murder them, the young boatmen fought with desperation, while the Negroes, driven at bay, were scarcely less determined. Abraham's strength is said to have been almost superhuman on this occasion. But both he and his comrade were badly bruised by the Negro's cudgels before the latter were compelled to beat a final retreat. Though aching from the blows which they had received, the next immediate care of the victors was to unfasten their craft and push her far out into the stream as a precaution against further attacks, but none other were made. A narrower-minded youth, of the same age, and in the position which we here find the subject of our sketch, might have become tainted with a prejudice, either temporary or lasting, against the benighted beings by whom he had been so foully assaulted, and used his prejudice thus pardonably contracted, as a future all-they-are-good-for argument in justification of the curse of slavery, which held the unfortunate Africans beneath its ban. But, even at this early age, and under these trying circumstances, he viewed the outrage with the calm and virtuous philosophy which blamed not the savage slaves so much as the infernal operation of the institution that had made them savages. The adventurers disposed of their cargo very profitably and returned safely to Indiana. When the details of their expedition became known, together with an account of their narrow escape from murder, they were spoken of with consideration and praise by those whose whole lives had been passed in coping with danger, and young Lincoln's skill as a boatman, manager, and salesman, as well as his courage and fidelity, were accredited accordingly. End of section 2